0: Well, Welcome to the Estates Made Simple podcast. My name is Gordon Vanderlake. I'm founder and managing lawyer for Vanderlake Law and I'm joined as always with my co-host Jenna Carvello. She has found, she's. I guess you're a founder too, right? Because you founded <laughs> Guardian Estate Company. Check out the website uh, there for more information on Jenna's business and, and the work she does for executors. But we are here today to chat about some estate administration issues, in particular dealing with real estate, because that fits with the theme of the podcast which is to help simplify matters relating to a state administration here in Alberta. And yeah, we're glad you're listening in and joining in if you're if you're watching on, on YouTube, thanks for participating. We hope we can get into a good discussion here and some of the information is of value to you.
1: Yes, well thanks for, for the introduction, Gordon. And just a reminder to our listeners that this discussion is more of a entertaining topic for Gordon and I and education for our listeners, and it's not meant to be any sort of advice, tax, legal, uh, financial advice. If you have a scenario that you'd like to talk about, please reach out to your lawyer or reach out to Gordon, of course, or myself, and we'd be happy to help. But it's just a general uh, disclaimer, as as Gordon likes to remind me. I need to say the disclaimers to protect our, our liability, right, Gordon?
0: It, exactly. <laughs> yeah, lawyers are, live in the world of caveats and disclaimers <laughs> and, and accept and the like. <laughs>
1: Well, and today, as you mentioned, we're going to be talking about selling real estate inside of a uh, an estate because most often executors need to deal with a piece of property that the deceased held prior to their passing. So that could be their primary residence, that could be a vacation property, and that could even be mines or mineral interests. So anything real estate related, you know, this could apply to. And we just wanted to talk about some considerations that executors need to take when dealing with real property. The common misconception I think is out there that If there is an estate sale, the general public thinks that the estate sale will be fast and cheap and, oh, they could get a really great deal for for a house because it's an estate selling it. But in fact, I, I would argue that even the opposite is true. The estate sale does take a little bit longer. There's more requirements on the executor to make sure they're selling it for the proper price and there may be additional people that need to approve the sale of a property and so yeah it's just just being mindful of all those requirements and ensuring that the estate value is maximized for the benefit of the beneficiaries
0: exactly and the i think that's a good setup for our conversation Jenna and it reminds me that it's uh, sometimes in the in the same venue as people looking at foreclosures like a bank foreclosure mm-hmm. oh it's going to be a bargain but really as you point out the person selling, in this case, the executor, much like a bank in a foreclosure, has a fiduciary obligation. Uh, they can't just give it away because they could be sued if they do so, if they are in a position where they don't get the proper price, there's some exposure. So if anything, that translates into more due diligence and and being patient on the on the sale. And sometimes other you know consents are required. So I guess to to kick off the topic from a legal perspective, one of the things that will happen within the estate is when you get your grant to probate, you have to send that into land titles. There's a declaration of transmission is the formal term of of the document uh, you you submit attached. The grant of of probate, and you send it into land titles. And that'll take it from the deceased person's name into the name of the executor that's been approved by the court. The role of the executor, of course, once approved, is that they have the legal authority to be able to deal with the assets of the deceased, which will include the real estate. Mm -hmm. And as you suggest, Jenna, that's fairly common because people want to live in their homes for as long as possible most people obviously people could be renting but oftentimes you know home ownership is common and so it's likely that you're going to have to deal with the deal with the real estate so the first thing would be to get it into the name Into your name as the executor, otherwise, you have no authority to sign a transfer, whether it's to a beneficiary or to a third party. So it's important to do that switch. And it's good to state here the principle. And it's a hundred percent rule, no exceptions, that land titles will not deal with an executor without a court order, without that grant to probate. You can't Mm -hmm. just show up with the will and say, Well, see, I'm named in the will, and it looks like a really well-drafted will. Can't I just use that? Will you not just accept that? The answer is no, they will not, no exceptions. They have to. To know they're dealing with the right person, which sort of makes sense, right? That person, the right person has to show up to deal with the real estate. It's probably a valuable part of the estate. So the checks and balances are in place to ensure the wrong person is not controlling that property. And so once you're in that position, you can now then take steps to look at selling the, the property. Obviously, we have to look at the important legal documents that are in place regarding the sale. So you start with look at the will. Now, for the most part, wills are going to give the authority the the estate administration act is the authority to the person who is the legal representative of the estate to do anything that the deceased person could have done such as selling of the of the property but there may be specific provisions in the will dealing with the real estate it's fairly common that i might even draft a provision. Maybe one kid has a right of first refusal. You know, what about if there's an option to purchase? Then we look at maybe agreements that are in place. Is there a co-ownership agreement? Less likely the case with regard to, you know, a typical, our, our you know, our principal residence, the homes we live in. But if you're dealing with investment property or uh, vacation property, maybe there's several families that bought one property. Right. That now has to be sold. Well, they have to be in an agreement with with the sale. So you got to look at who needs to consent to the, the particular sale. So the other principle to put on the table would be as a starting point, the executor does not need the consent of the beneficiaries, the residual beneficiaries of the estate to be able to sell the property. Their job is to, in fact, do that. They have to administer all the assets of the estate, and that would include the real estate. Now, in some cases, it may be very prudent to make sure you have consent, or if there's somebody who's making a claim against the property and says, well, I don't think you should sell it, or I'm disputing your authority to sell it, then you might need a court order that would be fairly unusual, but that does happen. I've been involved in those cases. So the starting position is you have the authority, but obviously you need to get an appropriate legal opinion about whether court approval is required as a protective measure so you don't end up getting sued mm-hmm. doing something that somebody is going to complain about or think you did it uh, the wrong way. In some circumstances, if you need approval by the courts regarding even going through the transaction, if you're going to go, well, I, I, I want some protection, I want the court to approve it, again, a little more unusual, but you always could have recourse to the court and can see, uh, seek to get advice and direction regarding the transaction. But generally speaking, If it's a typical situation and those sorts of disputes or contentious matters don't exist you would have the authority to sell but not before you get the grant to probate right Mm -hmm. it's important to know that there is some risk you take if you're entering into real estate contracts and signing an mls listing before you're formally appointed I think it does happen, especially on situations where it's non-contentious and pretty straightforward of what's going to happen, that there might be some preparatory work done on the attempt to sell the property. But then you want to make sure, of course, that there's appropriate protection in the in the agreement of purchase and sale that allows you to extend the closing if you don't have that grant to probate in place, because that real estate deal, going back to what I said in the beginning, cannot close. Unless you have that piece of paper from the surrogate court, that grant to probate to, and again, hard and fast rule because of land title rules, right, that you, you need that in place in order to complete that deal. So be careful about starting into it, because what if the deal goes sideways or you think you're going to get the grant to probate and somebody objects? and says I don't think you should be the executor I think it should be me well if you've already engaged the realtor to do some work then you may very well end up being liable because that's a personal contract that you signed that MLS listing and maybe you're going to end up in in that situation where you're caught between somebody challenging your authority and the person who wants to buy the property so you got to be very mm-hmm. careful and make sure you do it with with proper legal authority
1: yeah and that's a good point you know when I used to act as a professional executor under specific situations we would list the property prior to probate and on the sale contract, it would be closing cannot occur until probates received. So it was a condition similar to a condition of you know obtaining financing or or something right. of that order. So if we didn't get probate, we didn't have to enter and fulfill the contract, which was a protective mechanism for the yeah. executor. So that can be a good solution if if you expect. You know that maybe the markets are going down, and you'd like to enter into some sort of agreement with with a potential buyer prior to obtaining probate, specifically if probate is going to take some time. So. Yeah, I th- I think it's an option, but definitely not for every different scenario. And and then with respect to best practices in dealing with real property inside of an estate, I would suggest at the very onset to get certified appraisal of the real property, to have a, a valuation done by a professional to give you a, a type of idea of what the property is worth. And I'd also argue you you obtain an av- advice from a realtor as well. And so you have two valuations there that you can bring to the beneficiaries if there are questions, uh, allowing you the proof and showing the proof of how you obtained the sale price if you do enter into a contract with a potential buyer. And that
0: um, is even relevant, even at the time of signing the, if you're going into an MLS listing agreement and you have to tell the realtor, because a re- realtor will be asking, well, what do you want to put down as the listing, the asking price? right? Mm-hmm. What are we going to offer it for sale at? Uh, so having that valuation would help support that you're asking the right questions, you're doing your due diligence, and you're not just being flippant about, well, let's just sell it for this. I think that's the right price. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you know, right? If a, if a beneficiary challenges you at the end of the estate about why did you sell the property for that amount? Why did you do this? Then Then you have some backup, like I obtained an appraisal. So that's really good advice to protect. Again, you gotta look at the situation involved in the estate to determine if that's appropriate, but but oftentimes is, right? And it's good protection. Spend a few hundred dollars on that appraisal and it's nice to have that piece of paper in case anybody is questioning the decision that you made. Even though you have the full legal authority, you want to sort of make sure there's good material in your file to protect against somebody who complains.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, given that real property often is a large percentage of an estate value, it may also be a good idea just to get the thoughts of the residual beneficiaries before you sell the property. You can, you know, provide them maybe with a week notice of what you plan to list the property at, just to see if there are any objections, because then you can work Those objections out prior to it getting further down the road. So it's uh, as you mentioned, it's not necessarily a requirement to ask the residual beneficiaries, but um, it could be a good practice if if you think reasonable to
0: do so. And you can also yeah, just to add on that, I I would agree because really that falls into the category of mitigating risk. And we've talked about that on other podcast episodes to say there is risk of doing these things. So how can you lessen that risk? So just uh, having a communication strategy, as you suggest, and it's not that you need their permission, but if they understand what's going on and they're aware of it, I guess if if they object, you would hear about it at that point And maybe that results in you getting a second appraisal. Or you could take steps to make sure that you're properly protected because you've implemented a good communication strategy Mm
1: -hmm. absolutely and and with respect to actually listing the property for sale and and receiving offers and deciding when to accept an offer there's certain things you can consider one operating costs on the property how much is it costing the estate to keep it listed on the market is it better to try to get a quick sale and maybe you know negotiate a few thousand dollars off off the sale price so you can do that cost benefit analysis also talk to the realtor about staging the property would 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 you be able to get a better price if you stage the property or perhaps some minor renovations might be prudent? I would say the renovation side of things, it's its probably more rare to need it to sell the property. You know, renovating can can be costly in, in itself. You might not get the full value if, if you want to increase the value of the property, but something to at least consider and talk to the realtor about. And the final thing I'd like to suggest is do not cancel the property insurance until everything is final. So even if you think it's going, the property is going to close on a certain date, wait until after that date to cancel the insurance because you never know what could happen and you want to make sure that any losses to the property are protected.
0: Yeah, and I think with insurance, one of the considerations would be making sure that is in place because the insurance company may have very specific rules about how often somebody has to be visiting in order to maintain insurance. So it's a whole other kettle of fish when the insurance company hears that somebody is deceased and now the right. property is vacant versus it was being occupied by the person there was somebody living there right there's increased risk and they have particular rules so you want to make sure at the front end you comply with those rules and get the appropriate protection in place because if there's a fire the, the house burns down after death and you were the executor the question is going to be well why didn't you check why didn't you make sure it was insured did you talk to the broker so one of the immediate things to be uh, certainly to be done double checking to say are the insurance premiums paid is is everything in good order is coverage adequate for, for what's there. You can't just assume what the deceased person did was appropriate. You got to you gotta have a look at that independently. Yeah, absolutely. Well, those are actually some really good tips, right? So there's, I think we've identified there's some places to kind of, for an executor to get into trouble if it's done poorly. And the theme is you need the legal authority and then get the appropriate professional assistance with regard to managing that sale process, acknowledging that probably the value of a home and the equity there is can be, and oftentimes is a substantial part of what the beneficiaries have an interest in. So they are gonna be very interested in you having done a good job on selling the property. So you wanna make sure with that with that scrutiny and that attention that you, you do that very, very carefully, as you should all your responsibilities. But I think it's a good example of one that squarely deserves good attention and good professional advice, that it's not a do-it-yourself project. You want to make sure it's done properly and and that if anybody's looking at it down the road, that they're going to say, you did a good job. You did everything you were supposed to with with regard to that. Yeah, I sent some really good tips on that. So we'll uh, maybe wrap up the, the, the comments or our discussion with that, encourage you, of course, that if there's, if this sparks a question to reach out to us, we'd be happy to give you some specific information and or advice on being retained for your specific situation, because every scenario is unique on that. And there may be some other details that are really important, but important to go through this process carefully and to manage those, those real estate interests. So thank you for listening. And we encourage if you haven't already that you can subscribe to our YouTube channel or to the podcast, wherever you listen to the podcast. you don't miss any episode. We appreciate you doing that. That helps us grow the channel and allows us to get this information out to more people. So if you think on that note that there's somebody in your family or another friend or other person who you think would benefit from this conversation, feel free to share this episode to to those who may benefit. With that, we'll wrap up and we wish you well, Jenna, until we podcast again.
1: Wonderful. Talk to you soon, Gordon.